Hey, I'm Dr. Kate Wong. And I'm Tiara Mitchell. And, and you are listening to, to the Holistic Hope Podcast. We invite you to join us and our village in conversations rooted in wellness and health so that we may grow a community of generational healing through love. Why I like using photography as a metaphor, like the light of photography as a metaphor when it comes to your wellness is a lot of people try to avoid the shadow side of, you know, like you'll see posts that are like good vibes only, or, you know, everybody talks about self-care so that you're in this really good space all the time, but that's unrealistic, you know, like naturally, holistically, we go through cycles. Everything goes through a cycle. Even the moon has a period where all we see is its dark side. And we call it the new moon, you know? So saying all that to say shadows are a part of light. You can't have light without shadow, you know? Like, so you need the darkness in order to be able to appreciate the light type of thing. And in photography, shadows actually help make the picture really beautiful yeah because when you i'm trying not to like nerd out too much i'm really going to appreciate any photographers who are listening to this and just understand what i'm saying because light wasn't always the wasn't one of those things that i naturally grasped um actually side note i went to a photography training years ago like when i first started with this famous photographer, Anna Brandt, right? She's a newborn maternity photographer, beautiful work. And I was like dying to go to this workshop to meet her and ask her about light, right? She yeah. just had beautiful pictures. So we get there and it's a lighting workshop, you know, so we're learning about light and stuff. So I was patiently waiting for questions. And then she asked, and I say, how do you see light? I'm thinking she's about to like give me the tea, right? Uh-huh. She says, just keep shooting. I was like, what? I've waited for weeks to ask you this question. I am face to face with you after <laughs> taking all your online classes and stuff. And that's the answer you give me? Just keep shooting. And I couldn't, I didn't understand it at all then. But then one day it hit me a couple years later. You have to just keep shooting because then there's something that happens as a photographer. You can't help but see light. And I know it sounds weird. Again, like I really appreciate any photographers who are listening because the thing with seeing light is photography literally translates into light drawing. Uh-huh. Right? So that is what the camera is doing. The camera is capturing the light that's available and how it's hitting other stuff. And that's how it makes its image, but it's really capturing the light that's there, right? Yeah. So um, so as a photographer, you want to be able to understand how light falls. Like if I look at the camera, let me make the thing bigger so I can really explain. If I'm looking at the image of me, right? And Michaela right now. Uh And even looking at you, it's a good comparison. So with me, I can see how the light is coming in across this way, 
right here when it gets to the edge of my nose, it's darker on this side and it gives me the feeling that there must not be light over here because it gets incredibly darker yeah. on this side kind of thing. But then behind me, because there's that plant light, you can see back here, my ears and stuff are lighting up, uh -huh. right? Back here, it's lighting up. Michaela, you can tell that there must be a light source real close to her because the top of her head right here has these highlights going on. But then awesome. if we come over here on this side, it's dark because the darkness is over here, right? Uh -huh. Looking at you, I can tell that you have a really big light source coming in from this side because the light's hitting your face, but you also have something that's helping to even out because you don't have that harsh shadow line like I have on the bridge of your nose. You have a softer shadow line, which means you have light that's actually wrapping around you, you know? Like I have a real direct light. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, but it's bouncing around you and I can see that looking at you kind of thing. When you're first starting out, if I were to say all that, you're like, what? You know, what does that mean? <laughs> you're still trying to understand. Like, even though I just explained that to you, now I'm sure you can see the shadow lines and everything. But then when you're on a photo shoot or something and like taking the example, how I'm in my living room still, and I'm, what I'm actually looking at, I have a lamp on the other side of the room that's bringing light everywhere and it's creating different shadows. And that light temperature is actually really different than the light temperature coming from my window. So I'm also noticing how it's mixing the quality light. Like now it's getting like real advanced, right? Make it all interesting. <laughs> uh -huh. And as a photographer, that's what you're constantly looking for. You're constantly looking at how does the light fall? How does the light fall? Where does the light hit? What temperature is the light? Is this good quality light? Is this too harsh light? Like you're, there's all aspects of light that goes into photography. And so um, when it comes to the side of it, that is what makes photos so beautiful. Because when we have... when we have just light it makes a very flat surface you don't have much depth to be able to understand how something may be standing away from the background how close they may be to each other you don't get to see like the details in her dress or like how they're holding the flowers it looks real flat when there's no shadow and so that's why the light metaphor is one of my favorites because in photography also, <laughs> you, the camera captures energy. I don't know how else to explain it. It just- It does, yeah. It does. Yeah. If, if you could be smiling, but if you are in a bad mood in that smile, you just feel it in the picture, you know? It's just a thing. And so that's why when- I'm doing my photo shoots. I don't like to tell people, look at the camera, please. Like I like to talk people through to get them to start embodying the emotions we want in the photo because the, the camera really captures that energy. Oh. And it's the same thing when it comes to only focusing on the light. You know, in life, when we only focus on the light, it puts things out of balance and we, we look it, we feel it because we haven't had a chance to allow the beauty of what's gonna actually make us stronger, you know? And that's the thing too, when you're getting critiqued for images, 
the shadows are what makes your images stronger because they give the light something to create depth, to create contrast, to really make it pop. It's the, it's balancing these two really polar looks, you know, light and dark and having them come together that makes it into a beautiful photograph. It's that balance. That is what we're, that's what the judges are looking for when they're looking at our photos is the balance between the light and the dark. And your highlights can't be too bright. Your shadows can't be too dark, but they have to still be there for it to be a strong image. And it just fascinates me how in life we really do tend to avoid the shadow side, but the the shadow side holds, I keep saying it holds the beauty and it holds the beauty because getting away from the camera metaphor, you know, those shadows, those secrets, those are the things that make us us. You know, if we were all put on this world to be the same exact person, the world would be mighty boring. There's actually an expression I like that says, if two of us are the same, then one of us is unnecessary. <laughs> you know, yeah. right, because there is no reason on this world for there to be two Tierras, for there to be two Kates, because Tierra is here and Tierra is here to do what Tierra was put in this world to do. Kate is here and Kate's doing what she was put on this world to do. You don't need me to try to be like you and I don't need you to try to be like me. Yeah. But together, we create a beautiful balance. Yeah. You know, identical twins, right? They're not like exactly. Yeah. Like so. That's why as a photographer, I love using light for the metaphors because it light and shadow, because I do get to then help pe people see like if we didn't have shadows and photographs, we'd have really boring photographs. And it's the same way with people. But just like in photography, you kind of have to learn how to tame the shadows, right? I don't want shadow going all over my face in a photograph unless, you know, I'm going for like a real but generally in a portrait, you wouldn't want shadows all over your face because your face is the thing you're trying to highlight. Mm -hmm. So when we're taking pictures, we make sure that the light's coming from a certain angle so that we control the way the shadows fall and we can shape our beauty with shadows kind of thing. So it's not that the shadows are bad, even though we don't want them all over my face. It's that we have to be strategic in the way we use them so that it gives the beauty that we want people to see. Yeah, we had a, I, this conversation before, like good and bad, like, you know, good and evil kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. like, for my perspective, uh, might be a little bit different from the majority of the people. I feel like there's not really a bad person, in a sense, is they're put into this world to play out a certain kind of role. And so in a sense, it feels like they're in the darkness. But the thing is, when we're in too much light that darkness is we get attracted to it <clears throat> very abstract the way i'm talking about right now but we get attracted to it and in a sense it's like feeling it's overcoming overpowering us all these different things but in reality nothing can over really overpower light right when you have light you it just darkness just kind of you know sh like moves to a certain side you know it's still there so like it's not there at all it's not like light just shines and you can't see anything right because if you have too much light, too much darkness, you can't see either. But then when you yeah. balance, mm -hmm. that's why I, it's so interesting. Like when you talk about photography, like everything is life oriented. When I talk about chiropractic, everything is life oriented as well. <laughs> it's just like, because well, 
<laughs> and then that's that's another reason why I think you bring up a good point why it's important to know yourself so you can understand the things that really give you life. Being a chiropractor gives you life. Being a photographer gives me life. I have been stuck in my CEO role these last three for the last few months, but I haven't done a in the style I like to do photo shoots in probably over a year. And it is driving me crazy to the point to where anytime something comes up in one of my marketing meetings, I'm like, I'm going to book a studio and do a photo shoot just for the hell of it. But I miss photography, you know, like I miss that aspect of my life because those are, and those are both the gifts we chose to start our businesses with to help other people, you know? And so I don't think it's coincidental that we can both relate these things that give us life to these life-giving metaphors, because to us, that's the best way we can explain what feels good and when life feels good and how life feels good and flow, how we were talking about, I don't feel as tired as I probably could because I, although I was up till three o'clock in the morning, I was up in my flow, state of flow. You know, I was allowing creativity to flow through me to create stuff that I felt really needed to be in the universe for the greater good. And so do I feel tired? No, I feel energized by that. That's awesome to me. You know, it doesn't bother me. So of course I don't feel tired. And I think that's why it's important to, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, actually, because of the programs we're making, but for people to understand that you don't have to fit a mold, like success, a successful life, happiness, no one else gets to dictate what that looks like to you. And the example I can think of that seems to be real common is growing up, I was told that to be successful, I had to go to college, get a good job, have a family, buy a house and retire with X amount in my retirement savings, you know, to be successful. It's not so boring in a sense. <laughs> but it's all like, and to some people it's like, I don't want to do that shit. You know, like that's not what success looks like to me. But the scary part, is going against the grain of what has been embedded for in you for years and years and years for what this image is supposed to look like. And now someone gives you the camera and says, well, what do you wanna make? And while you're like, I know what I wanna make, you're scared because you're like, shoot, are they gonna like it? Are they gonna say it's right? Are they gonna say it's wrong? And the people who really kind of like get far in life are the people who don't care about what everyone's gonna say. I'm doing this because this is what feels good. This is what I felt. Those are some of my favorite words to hear. I felt led to do this. I felt called to do this. You know, something in me just said, I needed to do this. Because those are the that as humans, we're really aligned with our authenticity. And I think that's one of the best exercises for our health, you know, to give ourselves permission to be what feels good to us. Like when you talk about that, like it reminds me of the conversation we had last episode with uh, Naza, like the whole thought of it, like when you're talking about like how you're supposed to be this for success, this is what everyone, like the school system or like the society, the mainstream tell you this is what's supposed to happen in life. Like that idea of it kind of switched my head in a, in a very like minute like way, like, oh, that's boring. 
And then once you said, like, what inspires you, like, what leads you, what all these different things, it's just shifted just, like, my thought again to something, oh, that's cool. Like, what do I want to do? Like, what is it that sparks me? It's just like that mere shift, that teeny tiny mere shift. It didn't, it, like, nothing happened as of right now. Right. Between, like, the camera and everything, like, nothing's changed. But it was, like, something within my head, within my thought that shifted. And then my my feeling of it, of that perspective of like success that same word that didn't change throughout the conversation we had for the past 30 seconds shifted how I felt about it and that will shift and manifest how it feels throughout the day throughout the week whatever it is too when I think about that thought so that's why I find so amazing when we talk about this is when people get stressed out when people say oh you should just like think about something else and they say they can't or they say I just have, don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have that. That mindset is takes that person to realize that no matter how much the external says we need to do X, Y, and Z, it takes you, the person who is in that body, to change that. Which I find is like mind blowing. Because even though, like as a chiropractor, I can help people align everything like that, but it's really depending on your body to heal. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, well, we had a meeting uh, with the social care kind of aspect. I think what so, I think maybe it was a CC. Someone was like saying, "Oh, like you're like the superhero of like of like the kids or whatever it was." I can't remember what it was. The whole thing, but it was something about superheroes. In my head, I was like, "Huh." I don't know why I got stuck with that a little bit. I was like, "Am I?" Because I don't think I am. I'm just like there to help them, right? It's really their own bodies are the superheroes, and when I kind of tell the moms themselves that they are the superheroes in their their family's life they also take a step back like and they kind of think am i because i don't feel like it and then it's in reality it's like it takes a person to realize and be aware of that one thing may not be like so like dramatic or masked but in other people's eyes other people's thoughts it's humongous right right and 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 that's why that's why we have to pay attention to what feels good. A lot of people, you don't recognize because you're just doing you, you know? So of course you don't recognize you're the hero to these kids because you're just just doing what I'm here to do. This is fun to me. I appreciate that you hired me, you know, and that you're my client. I'm happy to be here. That's all that's going through to your head. I'm happy to be here. But to you, but to them, you're changing their life. You're helping their child be able to get into a position where their body can care for themselves. That's something that mom and dad didn't feel like they were capable of doing. And so that's why when you turn around and you tell mom and dad, but you guys are the heroes, they're like us, well, you're just mom and dad. But that's what a lot of Mom and dads don't realize there are so many other mom and dads in the world who won't show up for their kids because they have their own traumas and stuff that they're going through. And so it's hard for them to understand how a child can need them. And then there's the moms and dads in the world who are just like, I don't care what I'm going through. My baby needs me. I'm going to be here because that's what feels good to them. And so now they get to be the hero in their kid's life and they probably won't even realize it till their kid is like 30 years old and the baby (laughs) shares a story of all the times mom and dad were there for me. Every single time I could count on mom and dad. Yeah. I knew that. But because mom and dad are simply just being the people that feels good for them to be, 
of course it doesn't feel like they're being a hero. That goes back to the whole NLP thing we like to talk about, villain, victim, and hero. When you just operate out of neutrality, great things happen because you just happen to be in the right place at the right time every single time. Because you're not battling against the, oh, I got to make sure I'm strong enough to save somebody, or I got to wait for the hero to come and save me, or everybody thinks I'm evil, so maybe I should gear back. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take this opportunity to share vulnerably how I feel like the villain a whole lot in my family. And what I'm realizing, though, is I'm one of the only ones in my family who won't normalize toxicity. But I'm one of the first generations who can recognize what toxic behavior is. So now I'm in this unique position where I can either choose to feel like the villain because some of the stuff I say, being a mirror to people who they, you know, they experience the same beliefs. We all operate under the same principles. You know, we have no choice but to sharing this earth together. There's basic principles that we all operate under, whether we know or not, you know, like law of attraction. It's just a basic principle. It's the fact that it is what it is kind of thing. But whether or not we believe it to be manifestation or prayer or whatever, however we believe it to be, it's still a basic principle that we all operate under, right? And so that's what it's right now. It's like in my family, we all understand that we're having an experience together, but we're not understanding why some people are more agitated with experience. And some people are more agitated within the experience because either they're having things reflected to them that are making them realize they have things on them they need to work on, or they're having things reflected to them that are, I know from me how I feel, I feel like there are people in my family who are kind of offended that how dare you have boundaries and standards and you hold your family accountable. We're your family, you're supposed to let us get away with that kind of stuff. But to me, I'm like, no, my sanity and my peace are not worth risking just so you can have a field day for 20 minutes. You know, like, and, but there are times where I feel like the villain for having that stance. And I have to catch myself because I'm not a villain, victim, nor a hero. I'm just being me. And I can say that I've made observations that there have been slight changes within our family. And it seems like people are starting to think more about this thing called boundaries and this thing called healthy relationships and what they really look like. And it's like more people are having these aha moments of, huh, I used to complain about that same thing when I was younger. I didn't like it. I didn't know I was doing it, but they don't know they're doing it because we've been raised to normalize this. It's become normal behavior. And what's also become normal is that when anybody goes against the grain, we chastise them. Nope, you can't think that we're going to go and do anything different because we operate under this toxicity belief. This is what keeps us coded, you know, and it's it's because it's comfortable for them. You know, it's uncomfortable. Nobody really likes being challenged. There are very few people who like to be called out and be challenged, especially when it comes to like more inner work and not physical work kind of thing. And so 
I do like, I feel like there have been times where I've talked about the victim mindset and the villain mindset and people felt like I was talking about them, but in all honesty and transparency, a lot of the times I'm speaking from my own experience, Yeah, you know, because I definitely allowed myself to be the victim for a long time. And it wasn't until it was a book called the four agreements. Yeah. If anybody wants to pick it up, it wasn't until I read that, that I realized, oh my gosh, I've been taking everything personal my whole life and I've been blaming everybody for everything bad that happened. Nothing's ever Tierra's fault. And it was like, once I recognized that, I started hearing it in everything I said, how I was constantly blaming people, constantly blaming people. Oh, the world is against me. Everything's coming down on me. But really, it was Tierra choosing that this space right here is more comfortable than me having to stand up for myself. This space right here is more comfortable for me to have to learn this new skill set so I can feel really confident around X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever it was. But it took a while for me to recognize, huh, Tierra is the one who's been saying that because of this, I can't do that, you know? And so once I recognized it and did something about it, now I noticed if I call anybody out on having a victim mentality, they're like, I am not a victim. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying you are, but I'm, and I'm have this conversation with everybody. But you know, not everyone's ready to listen to, we get to turn that on and off. Yeah, our own self, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's uncomfortable to have that much responsibility. You know, it's uncomfortable to think, I can't blame anybody for when things go wrong in my life. Yeah. You know, because that's what we're taught to do. We're taught to blame it. Yeah. You know? It reminds me of the, the video I was talking about that <clears throat> I was watching on YouTube. If you ever, any listeners that want to feel like they want to see what this is about, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, which, which the video is called uh, "The Escape of uh, the Cult of Wokeness," and so there's a reason why she kind of worded it that way. But when she's talking about the victimhoods and things like that, she felt like because she's um, she's black, so basically. Mm-hmm. When she's walking down the street she feels like what she's learned throughout life throughout college all these different things that certain things that people look at her or do something or don't open the door she she describes it as some sort of uh, racism like there's a reason why this person didn't open the door there's a reason why this person gave you that look when you walk down the street there's a reason why certain things are happening when you're walking down the street this person's not avoiding you or just going through you she the way she described it, she felt as if those different little things throughout that morning, for example, almost felt like a stab like in her. That's what she's called it. She's felt like, so if you think about it, every single day, that's only the morning. If you compile that, accumulate that, that's like a lot of stabbings of these, all these different feelings of micro racisms that she felt that she couldn't, she just felt like she was done. She was just like hurt the whole time. So if you imagine someone that's feeling this, all these stabs throughout the day, throughout the years, throughout the months, all these different things, how hurtful do they feel? How victimized do they feel? So she felt what she described this as, um, or she described it as that her, 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 um, when she 
something opened inside her that darkness was coming up because she's been stabbed so many times mm-hmm. and so what she mentioned was i uh i'm not the greatest at journaling <laughs> or writing certain things like that down but she felt like she decided to write all these different things down like all these different like stab wounds like this person stared at me this way this person didn't open the door this person did this this i didn't get this job i have all these different things and when she looked at those things, how those things may not be because of what she thought. It might be because that person was having a bad day. Therefore, he, they gave that look. They might be they were in a hurry doing this thing. And it might be all these different things. That in itself, knowing that that may be the reason and not only the reason that she thought, helped her kind of release that energy, release that victimhood, release that blame, which I find so interesting because it takes that person to look at that one thing, that one situation neutrally to see what else was going on or could be going on versus holding that energy, holding that darkness that the world is against them. Right. Which I find was so enlightening for her. I think she's a little younger than us for her, for, for a generation. And if you imagine the generation that's growing up now, if that is exactly what they feel like, for so many different people, how many different protests feel like it's just? How many different things feel like it needs to be done? But in reality, is it the best way? Is it the best way to, you know, utilize that type of energy? I mean, the only type of energy that makes sense if you have so many stabs, so many wounds, is to let it out. And people let it out in different ways, maybe harmful, may not be harmful, all these different things, right? Because for myself, when you're talking about the neutrality, like growing up, it's almost as if uh, a coping mechanism that I do. Like, like yes, my mom, my biology mom um, had this reactivity for her relationship. Therefore, she did what she did, right? And so I didn't see her for what, since I was five? Like, what the hell? <laughs> for like two, two-ish decades-ish or so, or more. Um, and so I haven't seen her for that long. But in the whole time, I'm thinking, oh, poor me, I don't have a mother who uh, cares for me. Poor me, I don't have this and that. Poor me, everyone thinks I'm, I'm like, like this distraught little girl who lost her mother or whatever it is. But in, real- in reality, my thoughts during the whole time is like, yes, poor me, but let me numb myself that I, I, it doesn't matter. But, but poor me, yes, everybody thinks I'm like, they don't have a mother or a biological mother, mother whatever it is. But I can do this in XYZ. So that was my coping mechanism to kind of numb yet distract myself. That mm-hmm. made me who I am today in a sense. So it is, in a sense, I was practicing not being the victim. Yet I got back to those thoughts. Whatever reminded me that I should be a victim. Which I found mm-hmm. that was so interesting. When you're talking about all these different uh, roles. And so when you're talking about this again, it can re- help me revisit. It's like, yeah, I didn't think I was the victim, but people made me feel like I should be the victim. And that made me feel horrible. And when I feel horrible, I need to do something about it because I don't want to stay horrible. Because right. either, you know, you you go into more of a spiral down loop, down like, you know, towards the end, like you don't want to live, all these certain things, or you lash out and get rid of it somehow in a very violent or whatever way it is. And so this is like, the whole light aspect 
this balance. You can't have too much light, then you can't see, and you can't have too much darkness, and you can't see. <laughs> it's like, what because is the balance? The balance that, yeah, because pain tells you what's happening in your body. Pain is a sign, a signal, and you know something's going on. Let me know like what's happening. And when you have certain things that are flowing and not flowing, like how like you assign all these energy, all these different um, neurons or things that tells you what's going on and it reflects you as symptoms and signs. And so that's why I found it so fascinating. <laughs> so what was going through my head when you're talking all that, I was like, oh, but let me, I was like, let me pay attention. <laughs> that's what I was speaking to. I just had a way to wrap it all up and then I started laughing and I forgot. <laughs> Let me think. Symptoms. Because I I know, so I know what I'm feeling to wrap it up is, you know, we started with light and darkness. I love how, because you're right, when there's too much light, you can't see either. Just like when there's too much dark. I love how you said that because what will happen in the back of the camera screen and which is hilarious when you're teaching people how to use a DSLR. So um, I don't know if you've ever used a DSLR, but just in case anyone's listening hasn't either, when you shoot from behind the camera and you're looking through the mirror, everything looks picture perfect because you're looking through this like impeccable piece of glass, through this impeccable machine. So through the viewfinder, everything looks beautiful and you're just clicking away, clicking away because you're like, oh, these pictures are going to be so dope. And I swear to you, there's just like magic of looking at things from the viewfinder. It's just something different than looking at things with your regular eye. Then you start going through the pictures and you realize, oh shit, I didn't have my settings right. And so now you have what are called overexposed images because you let too much light in. It was too bright. And what happens, it's actually a thing in photography. It's better to underexpose, have it be a little dark than to overexpose because once things are overexposed in post-production, you can't get back that data. When things are overexposed digitally, that means that there was so much light, the camera wasn't able to read that spot to collect the data for it. So that's what why it shows up that way. And it's like, it shows up just like as white as that spot on your hectagon, it's super white. And if you even tone down you know, I'm pretty sure you've used an exposure slider. Most people have on their phone at least. <laughs> so even, the filters, even, if you tone, <laughs> right? even if you turn down the exposure, you'll see that spots where it was called blown out or overexposed, they don't change. They stay just as white because huh. there's no data. And while I can't think of the original wrap up I want to do, I know what I want to say here, going back to the very beginning, because um I think we you know you brought up a really good point when you don't let out those shadows that's when all this these emotions start to harbor and that's when like you know we've seen it in a whole lot of movies where darkness takes over and all these bad emotions have become this one big monster but really deep inside it's a really sad lost person who just needed a little love yeah it was hurt yeah and that's where all all the darkness came from and so going back to the camera and the lighting thing having a picture be underexposed rather than overexposed why it's a good thing is because the data is still there 
even though it may be a little darker, you can go and post and lighten it up so that you can see exactly what was there. So my point being, from all the self-healing work I've done, from even working with other women, even how seeing how things go in photo shoots before I became this soul coaching woman, you know, it was obvious that there was magic in being vulnerable enough to just let it out. There have been times where I've turned my camera on a woman and she'll say, I'm sorry, me and my husband are going through something right now and I just can't concentrate. Tell me about it. I'll aside for just a second. She'll start talking and I'll be like, I'm just gonna keep shooting, keep talking. Some of the most beautiful photos because in that moment, she got to be who she was. She didn't have to look pretty for my camera. She didn't have, a ha she didn't have to have it all together for the photo. She had permission to just be and let it all out. And I think it's important for people to remember that. It's better for you to get more of the shadows in the picture because you can always go back and make that shadow beautiful. Like seriously, it's really easy to make a shadow beautiful in post-production. You can never go back and change when you've overexposed anything. And to me, you generally overexpose something when you're trying too hard to get a certain look. Because at the end of the day, photography is a light drawing. You don't have to do anything special to capture the way the light falls. All you have to do is understand how to frame the photo so that it's beautiful. That's it. So normally overexposed pictures come because you are just trying too hard to get a certain effect. When all you had to do was just focus on getting your settings just right to capture the frame. And so I wanted to close it with that, just as a reminder to people that, you know, I know we talked in a lot of metaphors and this was more of a free conversation kind of thing, but the big takeaway, especially all the things that are going on in our nation, like we're having shootings and stuff all the time. There's all kinds of hate crimes happening and stuff like that. And I don't know these people from Jane and John, you know, so I can't say what's going on in their mind, but what I can say is I feel the world is a very sad place when we feel unsafe to even be honest about how we're feeling. Yeah. You know, where we can't even share with someone close to us, hey, I'm going through this really dark time and I just, I just needed someone to talk to, you know, where because we have this saying at church, iron sharpest iron, iron sharpeneth iron. I don't know exactly if it's from the Bible, so I don't want to say it is. It may be, but I know we say it at church a lot. <laughs> iron sharpeneth iron. But what that means is just like we keep saying your shadows are what makes the image beautiful. Iron sharpeneth iron means when two people come together with their challenges, with the things that make them kind of rough around the edges and they start rubbing up against each other. It's smooth. They both start to become smooth and shiny and pristine kind of thing. But it took the collaboration of them both rubbing together to help one another smooth out. And when we share our shadows with someone who's willing to hold space with their light, 
you know, or we who has a little extra light and sees that someone with a little extra shadows just needs some extra love or vice versa. Maybe someone's been shining their light so brightly, you can tell that they're about to blow out. So you want to give them peace to, you know, relaxation to rest. Let your light dim for a little bit. I got this, you know, I think that is what I really want to get at, trying not to speak in metaphors, but sometimes we just need to be able to recognize when a loved one, a friend, sometimes it's a coworker that we don't even know that well, but we just kind of know something's not right today. Yeah. You know, because everybody just really, when it comes down to it, they want to be loved and they want to give love. It's just human nature, you know? And so that is what I would like to wrap up with. Just something I've been writing in my programs a lot lately is I want women to shake the shackles off their soul so that they can exist beautifully without shame. And I feel like shame is often the things that keeps us from sharing our shadows because, because, sorry, hold on. Um, I think that's what's so beautiful about us, sh- about the sharing the shadows is oftentimes people have shame in their shadows and there's nothing to be ashamed of. You're enough just as you are. You are whole just as you are. Nothing about you is broken or incomplete. And if you happen to feel that something about you is broken or incomplete, then I would like to encourage you to first we would say pray in church. So even if you're not a prayer person, definitely like go within, meditate. That's really what that step is about. It's about silencing the noise, the people who are telling you what it should feel like to you, what you should be going through. Don't let shoulda, coulda, woulds run your life. You can only exist in the now. Shoulda, coulda, would is it's over with. You know, you can only exist in the now. So take some time to go within And I like to call it dance with your shadows. You guys remember Peter Pan? Peter Pan's shadow? He just wanted to play. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with him. He just wanted to play. And oftentimes I do this one meditation where I'll talk to my shadows. Um, I allow them to come forth and we have boundaries, you know, and I speak to each one. What are you here for? And why I love this, because those shadows are just me. They're the hurt versions of me, the sad versions of me, the scared versions of me. And when they're telling me why they've presented themselves is to reveal something in me that's holding me back or that I want to grow from, you know. And I just, I really don't want anyone to feel ashamed of their shadows because they're truly a beautiful part of your story. Even if they've done harm or all these different things, just to be aware and just kind of give compassion to what went on, despite whatever it is, the deed is or whatever it happened, it's just good to, like you said, be aware, just pray, just set that initiation to start and then see where it goes from there. I think it's a beautiful thing to start. Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna stop this now.